Can you can you get ready? One second, please. Are you serious? <laughs> Leo, I'm gonna get sued for copyright infringement. I'm gonna fade it out. Okay. That's my intro song. You can't even name the five Sailor Scouts. I was like four. They're just planets. <laughs> They're literally just planets. It's not anything that's like super difficult. They're literally just planets. All I knew is that there's a guy with really cool sunglasses and I don't know if he's good or bad. That was my first crush. Tuxedo Mask was my first crush and probably the longest lasting crush. Hmm. Good to know. Neat. Now, now I know who to watch out for. Okay. Um, hi, guys. Welcome back uh, to, like I said, I don't know how many episodes this has been. I don't know where we are, what time is anymore. It's all, it's all made up. Nothing's real. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that. Um, after a long-waited I don't know. You've just been waiting a really long time to do this. And I asked I asked Miguel before to come onto the podcast because he said he needed to be the first guest on the podcast. But then he got hit by a car and he didn't want to go. So <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I got hit by a car. I feel like that's a perfectly okay excuse to not come out and, you know, record a podcast. It was, it's not like you got hit by a car that day. It was like two days after. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, it was, okay. I got hit by a car. I don't okay. Know. <laughs> anyway, um, well, do you want to explain who you are or introduce yourself? Do you want me to introduce you? This will be fun. Yeah. You introduce me to your people, to your audience. Go ahead. You, I'll listen. My people. That sounds... That's questionable. So this is the first person I've we've had on the show. <laughs> Only person we've had on the show. First person we have on the show is drinking while trying to record on the show. So we'll see how that goes. Um, this is Miguel. He's a guy. Um, it's also my boyfriend. I guess it's like the the biggest thing here, but not it is not relevant to this episode. Uh. Miguel has been active a lot in the last, what is it, November? Started in May? How many months is that? I don't know math. <laughs> I don't do the math. Okay. Um, a lot of the time this year, a lot of the shutdown, a lot of the quarantine time this year has been very active um, with the so social uh, unrest and the social uprising throughout Minneapolis after George Floyd, as well as kind of just having to, and maybe if you don't want to talk about this, but I'm just going to mention it, um, help run a restaurant during COVID and dealing with that and hardships with that, which the look on your face <laughs> saying that you don't want to talk about it, which is fine. That's no, we, okay. We can dabble in, in, in the COVID-19 catastrophe. But yeah. Um, so anything else that I've missed? Is there anything you wanted to say about yourself? Yeah. Yeah, you missed big, a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. I'm just, I mean, you're here to talk about yourself. I'm not here to talk about you. That's why you're here. <laughs> oh, okay. No, that makes sense. Um, no, that was a great introduction. I feel like uh, 
if you if someone would have introduced me a year ago, the that would have been radically different <laughs> from what it, what it is today, which is shame on me. Uh, know what but we're say. here. A year yeah. Ago? Yeah. A year ago, like I eat tacos. I don't know. <laughs> play a lot of Apex. Yeah. A lot of <laughs> video games. Uh, but no, thank you for that. Um, yeah, that that nails it down pretty good. Uh, yeah. Okay. Nothing else you want to add right now? No, that's good. Okay. Well, since not everybody knows who you are, even though most of the people who listen to this podcast probably know exactly who you are. Um, I decided that it would be a good idea, and you've mentioned this prior to this, is to do an overrated, underrated, the list I've come up with before you got here. Oh, wow. I came up with a list, and I took an app because you took too long. So, here it is. Are you ready? Yeah. First one, Nutella, overrated, underrated. Ooh. I don't know. I Actually, the first time I had Nutella was... Was in France? In Paris, yes. That's in France. Yes. Okay. Correct. Um, it's and Italian, though. I hope you. I hope you know that. No, I don't know. It's Italian. And I was actually like, I was like, man, I'm gonna eat a crepe. It's gonna be awesome. And then it, it rubbed Nutella all over it, and I was super upset. I was like, what is that? I didn't ask for that. <laughs> Throw it away. And then they're like, everyone, my whole class that was there with me. I was like, no, just eat it, and I and I did, and it was amazing because I, I was ignorant. Um, definitely in the states, probably underrated. Do you know that Kevin Garnett? I think it was Kevin Garnett used to be the spokesperson for Nutella in the U.S. Really, Kevin Garnett, sense. or yeah, because he used to be on the Nutella jars or some basketball player. I Weeby knew because Weeby be like, yeah, I remember when I saw blah 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 on Nutella jars because I grew up eating Nutella like all the time. Yeah, Weeby, our friend, yeah. Um, in the states underrated everywhere else perfect amount of rated it's way better than anything we put on breakfast like cream cheese or or uh, peanut butter or jelly i think it's a lot better with a breakfast spread do you know that um some mom sued nutella because they for a while they were uh, promoting it as a healthy substitute or a same amount substitute as peanut butter and her kid got fat and she was like you're supposed to be the same thing i feel like peanut butter is not healthy either it's it's It's, healthier than just butter of peanut that can't be thank you for breaking down a compound word that was i mean it's in the word i'm glad okay i'm glad you could figure that out but not name five planets in the solar system we're on a good track right now um tiktok the app overrated underrated I'm an old man, you know, <laughs> so I don't know what that, if that's underrated or overrated yet. That I one song that it. you like, though, was on those TikToks, the one that we listened to the other day. And I was like, I know this song. Oh, yeah. TikTok. Sales. Um, I feel like it's underrated for me because each time I see one, I'm like, what is this? Like the Bad Bunny ones with the song. Yeah. Show their mom. Yeah. Like a lot of the ones I get to see on Facebook three months after they happened, I get to enjoy them have like ooh, this is spicy and then i'm like what is this and people are like yeah that's old i'm like okay cool but it's still good um so for me underrated but i it has the potential definitely to just fizzle out just like vine and all that other stuff so yeah that's my take on that 
Okay, so two underrated. This one I threw in specifically for you. Motorcycles, overrated, underrated. Ooh. Ooh. Um, underrated. Think about how many... Just think about it. If the world just all rode motorcycles. We live in what? Minnesota. It literally is going to snow tomorrow and you froze on the way We'd here. figure it out. We would adjust. Okay. We would, like, we would be so much more efficient, you know, mo- way more efficient. Like we would less people on the road. I don't know. No, I don't Do trust you- it. It's, it wouldn't work out. No. Um, that it's no still highly underrated people are just think we're on there riding around like crazy like we're a bunch of crazy people adrenaline junkies which is partially true but most of the people just like to detach from daily life problems and just dedicate their mind and body to operating a machine that also creates some discipline and some fun at the same time yeah that's my take underrated Okay, I was like, I don't know what you said if it was overrated or underrated. Um, naps overrated, underrated. Naps. Oh, this is gonna. People are gonna hate me for this one. Um, overrated. Wrong. Overrated. (laughs) (laughs) It's an opinion, I I guess. It's an Uh, opinion, and your opinion is wrong. Okay, correct. Um. (laughs) I wake up really groggy. I don't nap right. Maybe I need a nap right. I You napped okay Saturday. Yeah, because I slept like maybe three hours. No, wrong. You nap Saturday before we went to dinner. You took a nap. Oh, yeah, yeah. But the day before, I didn't sleep a lot. Okay. Um, Go on. It's rare. Usually, I wake up super groggy, upset that I wasted time. But, uh... Not very good at self care, so I'm working on it. Maybe I'll get better at nap. I don't know. I just <laughs> thanks, thanks. It's not a race. Oh, I'm sorry. That's right. People don't know how old you are. You try to hide that factor. Really? You say that. You say when people ask how old you are, you're like, I'm just an old man. Yeah, because that's funny. <laughs> because uh, I could be, and then I'm I'm an old man, or you are, or I'm 28 years old, and I don't think that's old. I don't even think 38's old. I didn't say that 28 was old. I said you're old. Yeah, I just <laughs> I just, I can't wait to be the senile old man yelling at pigeons in the park. I really look up to those guys. <laughs> I'm glad I have a lot to look forward to in my future. That's good. That's good. I'm glad that we're doing this. Um, yeah, so- but but what you don't know about those old men is that they they've they fought their own fight already and you, you just remind me of um the old guy that nick from new girl is best friends with yeah <laughs> yeah exactly yeah exactly like you don't know like oh this guy was in a war or oh this guy did this or this guy owned 17 restaurants back in the heyday it's like you can't even tell he's not even there like unfazed <laughs> unfazed okay last one because this is going to get too much into it. Surprise is overrated, underrated. Um, overrated. Overrated. Surprises are overrated. I agree. Only because surprises give me anxiety. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's happening. Um, surprises as an adult. 
are usually not a good time. You know, it's usually just like somebody hit my car while it was parked. Surprise. <laughs> uh, you owe you owe taxes back. Surprise. <laughs> I overdrafted my bank account. Surprise. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Well, thanks for playing. That's I have more, but I feel like that would go on for no, a very long time. So that's a good amount. If you have any more questions from Miguel, feel free to. There's a roller coaster of emotions there. You said everything was underrated. Except for surprise. Oh, except for surprises and naps. Like the. Stupid. Do better, America. Anyway. Well, I'll just go ahead and jump into the actual questions. Calvin and I compiled a couple questions. Calvin, again, is in California and is unable to physically be here. Don't roll your eyes at me. I'm just like, I thought of Calvin in sunny California and. He gets to enjoy that. Oh, he's not. He's in Orange County. He hates it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, well, at least say that they're like I'm not waving around Trump flags. No, that's exactly what they're doing in Orange County. Still, I don't well, know about now. Go but... Make fun of them, or just I don't know. I mean, he could, but I don't know. They're Orange County, whatever the case may be. Well, I introduced you, but I guess the first question you have the list of questions too. Um, why don't you share what is it exactly that you do and what is your role or what you've been doing the last six or seven months? Well, like everybody else in 2020, I was just trying to grasp to some form of reality and, uh, might've, you know, eaten a couple of pounds of cookies during quarantine you know, enjoyed myself that way. Might have had a couple anxiety attacks. I don't know. I'm not judging anyone here. But uh, no, what do I do? Um, right now, I operate my family's restaurant, El Tejavon Mexican Grill. Shout out. Um, I'll put all the links of all the things that you're doing, Facebook pages, websites in the description once this goes up. Yeah, cool. People can cool. check it out that way. I uh, also am a member of BRAP, Bikers Riding Against Police Brutality. I have the honor to be the social outreach um, for that group. And um, what I do in related to <clears throat> the movement and everything that's been going on this year is that uh, I joined that group after out of fear riding to protests and people thinking that because I wear a helmet and I'm all covered up, some people would react in fear. They're not sure if a lot of motorcyclists uh, have the stigma or the stereotypes that they're like, you know, uh, 1% male driven agenda and that, that they're like super misogynistic and all these really Okay, so now that we've gone through this little introduction, and I know I already kind of introduced you before, but that was more of a glaze over, a kind of gloss over of who you are and who you are to me, I guess more so than the community, but do you want to let people know what is it that you do and how are you involved with everything going on right now? Yeah, um, well, what I do for work mixes in a little bit with what I do for the community and I have the privilege to do that. It's a great privilege. Um, 
Uh, I work for El Teban Mexican Grill. It's a family restaurant, and I am the GM there. So what I do outside of that, um, which I have the honor of having a really flexible schedule and being able to make a lot of these events, um, having a support group that allows me to do all this at work and at home, is uh, I joined a group of uh, motorcyclists. It's called BRAP, uh, Bikers Riding Against Police Brutality. What they do and what we do as a collective of motorcyclists is uh, generally provide support, um, security, and um, <clears throat> and rally, rally for the folks uh, of all kinds of issues. Um, I wish I had our mission statement. It's long. But uh, yeah, what, what we do that essentially when, when there is a protest, to get down to the meats and potatoes of things, uh, we show up and uh, converge with like leadership and organizers, other uh, groups that provide uh, order and safety, like TCM marshals and uh, just TCM. TCM marshals is redundant. Just Twin I know Cities I always marshals. say marshals, the marshals, and then I just put those together, and then I'm like, wait, TCM, yeah, those folks, those awesome folks. Uh, but uh, with these protests, um, they're really organized. There's so much that goes into it from the beginning. Some of these are organized weeks or months before. But uh, our small role is to block traffic and to keep agitators at bay and help smooth out anything for to keep a basically a peaceful environment for the BIPOC folks to voice their you know the, what's going on and to feel safe to come out and that's a very small role in this whole large thing and so that brings me to just ride my motorcycle to these protests represent rap and to gather us and sometimes administrate we all take kind of roles in leadership um there's no like one core core leader everyone's just steps up to the plate um so we're really proud of that and i'd had the honor to be the social outreach of the group so i tend to try to find out what organizations we can help how we can better our group and how to communicate better with other, other organizations no that's good and i think ironically um i think i had pointed out brap originally because we were at the governor's mansion for bikers for 45 there was a trump rally and we had gone to count we had gone to counter protest and i think that's when i saw mike and i was like look there are bikers here and they're not with trump and i think that's yeah. when yeah um like many things in my life that is good you have always been there to point it out and uh yeah um uh, i stopped riding to marches because uh People would be afraid when I'd show up and pull up to the march by myself and motorcycles are loud and the perception of motorcyclists is that they're white and they're sexist and they're racist and they have a lot of stereotypes, um, which is because the boomers are getting older and a lot of those guys do hold those uh, views. And you can take a look at uh, Sturgis this last year if you want to some yeah they had a massive COVID outbreak out there in north dakota yeah. with all of that out there and uh 
that simply isn't true. I think our generation and the next generations who ride are really trying to struggle and to break that. So I'm really glad that uh, you pointed them out because that was the last, that was the first time I didn't ride to a protest because it was a Bikers for 45. I didn't want people to like think I was one of them and have to explain it. I'm wearing a helmet. I don't want to be confronted by people and explain myself while I also have a, a heavy engine under me. Um, so I'm, yeah, like you said, pointed Mike out and uh, I was like, you ride motorcycles? They're like, yeah, we ride them at protests. He's like, I ride a motorcycle. And like, please let me join your group. And <laughs> as Mike pointed out before when we were having dinner one day, is like he thought I was just this small guy who was just like didn't know what he was getting into. And he has since told me that <laughs> he was very surprised by me coming back and getting and doing more with them, uh, which is, I feel like that's something that BRAP does is brings mm -hmm. out leadership out of everybody. And because we're all kind of protectors. You guys um, work under pressure really well and can gather yourselves and remain calm to make sure that everybody's really safe. Yeah, sometimes, and I've mentioned to you and Steve and a couple of other protesters and people who are frequently there, it's like, hey, did you happen to see anything? And you're you're always usually like, no, we didn't see anything. And that is a huge part because one, the organizers took care of you guys. They care about your safety too because uh, whatever martial group is in place is also taking care of you guys. And then we are all working for that goal so that these voices can be heard. And uh, that's something we take great pride in. Okay, good. That's awesome. Um, how else are you involved in the community? Um, the, one of the, the things that I've noticed about Black Lives Matter movement, and even if it's Native Lives Matter or all these other organizations who are coming out and speaking for BIPOC voices or people who are marginalized uh, from the last couple couple of years through the Trump years or even the hundreds of years of oppression that have been happening is that, and I think you've said this before, uh, Black Lives Matter movement folks or Native Lives or, you know, people fighting for, um, LB, what's the phrase? I forget. I always You're mumble Fighting for it. like equality? Or for yeah, like equality. Justice. LBGTQ. Oh. The, yeah, yeah. I always mumble that. So sorry. Um all these people will step up for every other cause. They are all lives matter. They understand that as well. And after a couple of months, I think, was it one or two months? I got to know more organizers, got to know more people who are taking leadership roles. And really one of the, the core things that I learned is that you have to start within yourself. You have to educate yourself. You have to make Absolutely. change within yourself. And I was practicing that and I still am. But one of those, the, the key things that I took is that I had privilege over so many people, or not over them, but just because I have privilege, what am I going to do? Am I going to be just sit in my comfort? And I, that just really didn't sit with me well. And because of my workplace, <clears throat> allowing to me to have great privilege there and have uh, responsibilities that I have, they allowed us to start uh a uh, fund to help feed the homeless and I found uh, an organizer Toussaint who reached out to me 
and introduced me to uh, distro. Um, and I believe it's F12 Kitchen, a couple of groups that focus on feeding the homeless. And it started with a small, you know, 30 person meal. And then I got more organized with them and they helped me immensely understand the needs of the community. And we've done over a thousand meals, I think, to date. We have another one coming out this Wednesday. Uh, are you guys still taking donations if people are interested in donating to continue? I know we're getting into colder months and this obviously is a marathon, not a sprint of a thing and homelessness is not going to be solved overnight. Um, are you guys still taking donations or? Yeah, absolutely. We, we are. Yes. Um, my goal for this is to make it, if we can do it every single week, if we can do it twice a week, whatever we can do, but to not stop to not lose steam i know there's a lot of obstacles especially especially being a restaurant right now where we where our overhead is really low we are cutting back every cent and dollar we can to keep things afloat um but we're still finding opportunities to help people because we understand that especially at our restaurant being a family restaurant we wouldn't be here without a community behind us who supported us through 12 years of business so this is our way to give back to the community, a community that's hurting. And we just uh, had the great honor to have the owners, my parents, uh, allow me to do that and also support that um, greatly. Because sometimes, you know, the funds are there and sometimes they're not. And they're, they're still saying, hey, we'll cover it now. Eventually they'll donate, whatever. They're, they're always uh, willing to help. And uh, with that, I had to say it's... And that's what I mean when people have privilege, use your privilege one way or another, you find a way, start an organization, uh, go to your neighbors, hey, you want to pitch in $5 um, and get this organized quick, you can make change in any capacity, in any small variation. And that was just me asking a couple of questions uh, and then getting help and a huge, huge shout out to Distro who uh, respectfully goes out and, and distributes all these meals across the Twin Cities uh and does that heavy lifting because i don't think i could do that I, I don't, they they know their routes and they keep track of where people are in need so we couldn't do it without them that's awesome that's good to hear that um despite being at a place especially having a restaurant and having to run a restaurant that you guys are still willing to give knowing that you guys are also in need right now so i think that's a big thing i know that um we always try to, you guys, you always try to promote and have people come out because that's kind of where it starts to, I mean, the more people that find out word of mouth is obviously very strong and just making sure that people are aware that there are restaurants and businesses that are supporting what's going on right now in Minneapolis and across the country, I'm sure, I'm sure that, and I hope that there are more restaurants able and willing to do this because I think it is important especially like you said, you guys have a full professional kitchen where you're able to push out 250 meals every week to kind of just donate to whoever you need. So that's really important. Hopefully you guys can continue for as long as it's needed for as long as you guys are possible, make it possible. No. Yeah. It's, uh, it's been, and I have to thank everyone who's already donated, mm -hmm. who's continuing to donate. There's some, I think it's only been like something like 60 people who've raised, uh, I think a thousand eight hundred dollars. So, that's to me that's an, an insane that only 60 people can make that much change and fed a thousand meals right and, and that that's not a lot of people in the you know mm -hmm. in the sense of 
like that's like one neighborhood that's like what maybe four blocks spread across one neighborhood if you think about it right so, and even going back to like may i don't even think i've talked about this it, it's not because it doesn't matter but because it's not something that has to be mentioned but we had fundraised what like two three thousand dollars um right after like the first week of protesting and we were able to buy so much supplies and food to be able to donate to south minneapolis and just yeah get the, that done and that everyone was... we knew across the country was donating and looking for ways to help with people actually on the ground and right yeah and I think that's a good way to think about it, too. I mean, if you guys aren't trusting these big corporations like Red Cross or the Salvation Army, I mean, reach out and ask because you never know who's able or willing to do the work for you. Money talks, unfortunately, and it's just kind of the way some of these things go. Um, and a lot of people don't have the time to give, but maybe you have spare $5 or $2, $10, whatever the case may be, because how much is one meal that you guys send out? Uh, we've got it down to food cost to 189 per meal right and like who can't afford a dollar 89 like yeah i mean it's about longevity really because it's one thing if you go to these protests is that they say it's not a moment it's a movement Mm -hmm. um and we have to keep going i mean it's getting colder i just got back from a protest and i'm still kind of cold um i hate the blankets on if you want it no i'm okay for now but uh yeah, and people, there's less and less people. It's understandable, but uh, if you can't give up boots on the ground or start these donations, then find someone who does and sure. donate the $5 or whatever you can or donate your time. You don't have the money, but you have time, then help that person. Uh, but uh, don't just think one time $5 or 50 or 100 is going to help. It is going to be helpful, and, and we are very grateful. All these organizations are grateful, but uh, it's more important that you find ways to continue to do it, uh, whatever is sustainable for you. Because I completely understand that with COVID and all, all this stuff going on, that people are a little tighter with money and yeah. stuff's getting a little harder to do. For sure. Uh, what is the toughest aspect that you feel that you've faced in your role or what you've faced in the last um, six or seven months while just kind of gathering yourself and going out three, four, five times a week, donating meals? Um, Personally or as like a brat member? Both, whatever you're willing to share, I guess. It's as personal as you want to get or it's not as personal as you want to get. It's completely up to you. Um, I'll speak as a, a personally, I guess. Uh, I think going out to me is... Um, is educating myself. I have to, I have to be a hypocrite to not say, um, before all this, what was I doing? I've gone to protests before. Um, you know, the first time Trump won, uh, Fernando Castile. But after that, I didn't really stay connected with it and even questioned the BLM movement before. And there was many things that I learned this year where I was like, oh, I definitely did that. I definitely thought this way. What am I going to do to change? And some of them are really nasty stuff. Like, and I'm willing to share this because it goes to, sh- to show that like, you could show up to one of these protests and think away and or, like say something or do something. 
and after you're like wow i didn't know that that's what people go through i didn't know that's how you could better respond to help them and that's been the toughest thing um allowing to decenter yourself is something i still think about like yeah we could be in brap doing all these things and uh and being uh protective um, but at what point do people see us as like these bikers who are intimidating and hurting people or creating a bad uh, vibe for that? So we, we, we balance with that. But uh, I feel like we work with the communities and the organizations to know that that's not what we're out to, to do. But uh, <clears throat> personally, yeah, I think it's a mental thing. I think people think that they have to go out into these protests and do these things and and be all 100% and gun ho about it. But if you don't start in your own prejudices, in your own mental state of how you treat people and how to, you think of others, then there's really no progress. It's just all, I like, I think you've thought of a couple, I can think of a couple of examples of people who say, you know, I am for BLM, this and that, and then put up the black square and then that's it. Or, then you hear them speak and try to defend BLM in it or try to, you know, have other people challenge them. They don't know anything about the history of Absolutely. marginalized people. They don't know how to defend it. Mm-hmm. Not that it needs to be defended. They don't know how to support people. Who they just can't back what they're speaking on it. At all. It, and it makes the movement and or that person look like they don't know what they're talking about, which they probably don't sometimes. And they, they center themselves and everything's about themselves. And uh, I really don't like that because I've done it myself. So I've practiced that. And I also practice uh, another struggle is how to handle folks who challenge you. I feel like uh, in the beginning, people were just jumping at everybody who didn't completely understand everything at once it's just like you're either you understand your white privilege you understand your privilege over others you understand the marginalization you understand why we're against cops or you're basically a trump racist follower you know and it it isn't like that so i learned to like kind of baby talk people i learned how to not baby talk people and like know the difference between someone who's gonna have a conversation with me and then someone who's just gonna spew hate slash covid in my face because they're not wearing a mask at a trump rally so I've learned to attach and like learn which one's gonna happen. So that's the toughest thing. All the rest of the stuff, like getting hit by a car, uh, the physical draining work that organizers, all these protesters put themselves through all summer and now in the cold, um, all that kind of like physical stuff, that's minute compared to the, the work that needs to be done in within yourself and really look at yourself and say, and am I really going to back this up? Am I really going to change and uh, be there for the people you say support? Oh, absolutely. I think it goes a lot to say that the mental strain in every with everything, especially good things going on now, has, I don't want to say a much stronger impact, but I feel like it does. Um, just having to think about day in, day out, educating yourself. I know I've taken it upon myself even, I mean, I'm black Asian woman in the U.S., but I've grown up in a suburb, and my parents have been able to provide a comfortable life for me and my brother our whole lives, and 
we're able to travel, we're able to see things, but at the same time, because we've been able to, we're able to see things or have been able to see things, we recognize the certain privilege that we have or we recognize where things could be or how people are living. Uh, and even even now at 25, I think I'm, I signed up for like this um, podcast where I learn about, about um, a black woman every day for three weeks and what they did and what they're working on or what they were working through historically and what they've done for the community, for the U.S., for the world, whatever the case may be, because it's just for every white male that we learn about in history, there's probably a BIPOC person of the same, that holds the same stamp, that holds the same weight or has done just as much and is able, has been able to do as much and not in a colonizer way usually for a community, usually to build um, and making sure that we're touching on that because as much as the movement is, the movement is important, but it's also known that there's still growth within communities. I'm sure there's a lot of um, growth within the Latinx community. There's a lot of growth in the black community, the Asian community, the LGBTQ community. There's just so much growth to happen within. And then you can start, once you learn that, you're able to share that and learn even more and expand on that. So it's good. It's, I don't think you can ever really stop learning. Uh, what was the best moment you've had this year while being involved or like your favorite memory that you've had? Oh, wow. Um, or something that sticks out in your mind that's very significant to you. Well, going to Washington was pretty amazing. Um, it was really hot. Yeah, Miguel, <laughs> of all people, actually is the one person other than Jordan who almost passed out of like heat exhaustion because he's like everybody drink water and he did not drink enough water. I drank all my water too and fast. Then, and then some. Um Yeah, that's uh that was a big moment and I like to pick that moment because uh close to a hundred thousand people showing up and listening to all these nationally known speakers and seeing like showing from Al yeah yeah me, meeting al sharpton the quick yo what's up power to the people and raising my fist and him raising his fist was pretty cool um but uh i compare those moments and because things are so tough right now i i you could go and like think about that moment all the time and and that brings you joy but uh I think I don't have one moment here in Minneapolis. I think I have a lot of little ones where I get to see the same people who keep continuing to come out and how heartwarming it is to see more people or the same people continue to speak up and be there for these families and to let them know that they're not alone. I think those moments are just like these little heartwarming moments where like, <clears throat> people don't think about um, before George Floyd, sometimes maybe these families had, didn't get their, their, you know, their, their marginalized or murdered family members uh, spoken about. And to see somebody who's been fighting for 30 years or 20 years or a year and seeing how they get a spotlight now and that all these people are coming together to help them that's 
those moments each time that that family is there speaking and we we expand through social media who these people are and, and their stories uh that's to this day that's the that moment when i realized or people realize that you, what we've done and what, how we've come to like for maybe an hour or two th those families got to speak and share that pain and maybe it's lifted a little less off of them and we can help them with that that pain even today mm -hmm. um today was travis jordan his angelversary the second angelversary and yeah, I think just learning something new at each and one of the, one of these is is another moment. But yeah, I think that's uh, the one that mostly sticks out every time. Uh, for those who don't know, a lot of the time in Minneapolis, a lot of these marches are based in um, ideals or things that we want changes in the system. Whether it's um, not bulldozing, bulldozing homeless encampments, or if it's finding a, a solution for homelessness, or if it's um, holding police accountable, holding schools accountable, whatever the case may be, there's always something. But a lot of the times these are rallies for family members who have passed or have been wrongfully killed by police. Um, and I feel like more than half of them or a lot of them at this point are due for like mental health crises or just a tra routine traffic stop or just bad timing, whatever the case may be, not that it justifies anything, but there's just so many countless families, I think, that anybody, anybody that's been to many protests over the summer could name at least, what, 10, 15 people who are out. And it's usually the same families, the same widows, children, brothers, sisters, mothers, um, husbands who are out there and advocating. And um, they share their stories every time. And as tough as it is for us to hear, it's probably tougher for them to live and then to share repetitively. Um, time and time again with people who want to listen so I think it is as important as terrible of a loss as George Floyd was to the community and um, to the nation really um, it, it believe I, I do believe that it jump-started um, the platform for other families to share their stories I mean I think of Brian or even um, Travis Jordan like how many people really knew or how many people still know yeah. about people like that but now and they didn't they didn't People didn't know, and they Travis Jordan's two years ago. Right. Brian Quinones was a little more than a year ago, and uh, unfortunately, it took that huge impulse for mm -hmm. everyone to wake up and start listening. Right, and I think that was another thing that was touched on this summer too, because there was a march for those who weren't filmed, those who we didn't see on camera, those that we that we still may not know about, or that have been covered up, and there's nothing left. There's no nothing left to kind of dig up or try to find. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to take a short commercial break. So weird, commercial break. Uh, but then we'll jump in. I have a few more questions, and we will wrap up. So, thanks. Okay, we're back. Uh, I'll just keep jumping in because I feel like these questions are going to take a long time to answer, and, and that's fine because I think that it's important to share opinions on this and have open conversations about this and just kind of let it be known. Um, otherwise, I mean... It's really easy to type a Facebook comment or just kind of give people a short answer in passing, but to have full conversations is ideally what's going to change the minds of a lot of people. Uh, what changes do you think need to be made to the system, and is it even salvageable at this point? Which system? The whole system. The whole like, system's guilty. Like America? 
if we're democracy. taking if we're thinking if we're thinking small scale, yes, America. <laughs> if we're thinking large scale, that's globally. But <laughs> uh, every every time people bring like bring up democracy and everything, I just like instantly start fading in rage against the machine in my head, and then I'm that's just cool. like, calm down. Let's let's figure this out. America's cool sometimes. Um, sometimes. No, seriously. What 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 system like the policing? I mean, or... the whole. I I think about policing. I think about what's taught in schools. I think about the whole oh, last week and... with like the electoral college, um, prosecution, routine traffic, like stuff. institutionalized racism yes. within all the right ra- the systems. Systemic, yes. Yeah. All of that stuff. Whew. Um, that is a loaded I, question. I said it was going to be a big question. <laughs> do you think it's savable, or do you think we, as a community as a people need to start from the ground up what is your take on that are there are good cops worth saving are bad cops worth saving well i always i really like history and if you look into the history of america and why it is the way it is you come to find out a lot of the answers or who were the first cops what was their purpose you know they were slave catchers that's not a good start <laughs> at all. Right. I chuckle because it's almost lunacy. Um, geez, the immigration. How, why are white immigrants still to this day socially accepted way more than any of color immigrants? I mean, you even think to like Ellis Island, if you had too many people from one country and other people are coming, like your last name is not that anymore. You're now Polish or you're from your check, yeah. whatever the case may be. It's, yeah, it's a very long, long history of that. Yeah, it's like, um, when it comes to what um, is going on now, and that's the thing, with, once again, with BLM and people who support it, they're not just trying, they are fig- trying to figure this out. They're, they're organizing, they're looking for answers, they're holding people accountable, but they also know that this racism extends to all sorts of systems, you know, the housing complex, everything, the, the unhousing, the lack of housing. Uh, if you ask me, I could do a whole nother hour on basically racism in the restaurant industry. Um, we could talk about <clears throat> colorism, everything like that, but uh, to narrow it down with policing in America, I've, spoken to people who basically want to literally fire and dismantle every precinct in Minnesota, Minneapolis. Like they, they themselves will torch these places down if, if it's allowed or if it's not allowed. Just give them a chance. And I've also spoken to people who uh, praise police officers and wanted to be a police officer and, um, and both of these people on either spectrum are Trump supporters. I've gotten Trump supporters to admit, hey, we could do better with the policing. I still 100% and 10% for Trump, but we they are killing white people too. And maybe we should do something. We shouldn't throw all of it away. Maybe just give them more training and this and that. And That's the thing I never get though. It's because a lot of Trump supporters are like, police kill white people too. And I'm like, but you're not upset about it why are you advocating for it 
Yeah, you try to not laugh in their face while you're speaking to them and they're holding their gun and you're surrounded by them. But um, I I always laugh as I walk away. But uh, it's for me, from my perspective, I had a great respect for police officers growing up. Um, I didn't have any bad experiences. Um, I'm a male Latino um mexican heritage um first generation yeah you're first american and uh with that privilege grew up with uh mainly white suburban kids didn't have to worry about certain things that people where i where i was born communities where i was born like south central la they had a whole different habit like way of life and i was afforded the privilege to be able to bike around in bloomington till the sun came came down when i was 10. i know a lot of people who live in minneapolis who can't do that um so growing up especially uh with a family with a business i thought hey um they are here to help someone tries to rob us rob us they're gonna come um, you get once you own property or your own business businesses you tend to lean a little more police um, with police and get to know them because you call them and they know you and they check up on you and things like that and one of my greatest guilt to this day is uh, is being that person who called the cops on somebody of color um, I could think I'm both hands using both of my hands like i could count how many situations could have escalated with somebody of color being dead in front of our doors we operated a restaurant uh till two in the morning with karaoke and loud music and i've seen a couple of times where things got really tough to watch and i'm like yeah these guys are being rude to the cops but did they deserve to be jerked around that bad how easily could have that escalated? Why are these guys so mad? Uh, why don't they just listen? Why all these things? And seeing all that and going from that perspective to knowing cops from where our business is by name, them knowing who I am, um, holding support um, lunches for police. And I think uh, after Brian Quinones, that all stopped. Um, I'll admit I wasn't a hundred percent convinced that they were all bad, and I had a lot of guilt. But I knew that something was wrong in in policing, and that I wasn't sure what the answer was. But it definitely didn't need my help to support it, to to uh, sub- continue supporting the police. So we stopped that, and then a couple months later, George Floyd happened, and. I learned a lot. I think like a lot of people that I know uh, watching that video or even hearing about it over and over, it was sickening. Mm -hmm. And some people who I thought were outright racist, a lot of Latinos who were like, no, but black people have robbed me blind and this and that and black people and they don't go to work and all these, all these stereotypes and all these things that I'm sure people who aren't educated or know 
how to show empathy for other uh, people of color are saying the same thing about us. Saw that video and it just, it was enough for me to be like, no, this is, this is done. It's very dehumanizing to watch someone be killed on camera for nearly nine minutes. Yeah. And to just kind of watch the life kind of fade out of them. I didn't watch the video. I still haven't watched the video. I don't think I ever will watch the video. Um, but we had gotten down there at the time we lived in Edina, which is what, that's 66 and Kapoods is on 38, 38th. So it's not super far from where we lived. It was maybe a couple miles, few miles, but. Yeah, it's, and I still struggle with this question it's there's a there's a difference when you ask this question in this in this uh, setting like i have time to think about it i can choose my words wisely and say you know i know people who would be really upset figuring out that like this is who i was before and then saying you know i don't exactly think that you have to abolish complete police but then i hear their arguments and then i hear other people argue arguments about why things should be this way or that way and it's a really tough question. I mean, President-elect Joe Biden doesn't even have the answer or doesn't want to answer, or mm -hmm. city council members in Minneapolis don't have the answer. Jacob Mayor Fry is basically useless at this point, in my opinion, because he doesn't even try to have an answer. He walks around protests looking sad. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> you've been there. Um, but I think the key is going to be to continue to find that answer. Um, because if we stop, more people are going to die. More people have died. Mm -hmm. More people are being marginalized still. You don't have to die to be marginalized by the police. Um, it's still happening day in, day out. The thing that I, I get upset at is when I am on the front line holding a line or being in front of the cops. I mean, you saw it on Wednesday. Um, I get really upset. People like to heckle the cops. But what I like to do, and I, as much as I like to heckle them as well, is that I really like to make them think. I want them to flinch about what I say. Yeah. I want them to, to be just as mad as I am because they think we're out there to make them look bad and to feel bad and all these things, but they should feel just as bad about what's happening. And, they, and they they're do, doing it all on their own, really. They're not, it makes it seem like it's, it's like an imagine. we imagined this, we, we created this system. The, uh, and uh, that's led me to, especially with leadership roles in place to allow them to continue to do this. I think if we continue to look at history and the history of policing and, and the history of the city, of how they handle this stuff, you'll find the answers. And if though that history is so deeply rooted in racism, even if the own cops who don't know about it are perpetuating that system, then it has to be completely taken out and redone. Yeah. And that's a question that how deep is this going to go? And we've come to find that it's very deep. And that's very, I know a lot of cops in the city. I know a lot of people who are cops who are close to me. And what I told them on Wednesday is like, think about all those kids who wanted to be just like you, who wanted to help their community. And now they completely threw that out the door because you're such an ill-equipped joke of a 
police force for protecting for you, protecting and serving the community yeah exactly like you let them down if you don't care about what i think or what any of these protesters think think about the very own people who are going to take over those boots do you think they want to join you and if they do for what reasons um and they get upset you know i've watched them flinch they're still human beings and i feel terrible being so harsh to a human being but we don't we don't get people of color don't get that second chance when they're being harsh to us Mm -hmm. they have a choice to take that badge off to find a different job to make different decisions to stand up for Ultimately, what it shouldn't be so difficult to be is to stand up for what's right and what is best for the community, not with the best intentions for them as an officer or for their fellow officer, their partner, whatever the case may be. I think that's really important. But no, I think that's good. I think there's not a one-size-fits-all solution for this. I think it's going to be a very long, drawn-out fight to... Yeah, and if you disagree with me, I'm here to listen. I'm not going to get upset uh, as long as we're you know, not using hate speech, you know, I I can get pretty nasty once hate speech gets intact. You've seen that the Trump rallies. Um, yeah, the first time I called someone, what did I, I don't even know what I called her. <laughs> not to, I don't name call, especially when I'm upset because it's just not something, it's just very belittling and it's very low to me to just call somebody just like, just start name calling when I'm upset. Like, I don't even, even if we fight, like, I'm not going to call. I'm not, I don't name call. I don't know. Yeah. I don't think I ever have and if I have I'm sorry but I don't think I it's not something I do um and it's it's a matter of like um how much is the governor or the you know representatives of the state of this country gonna double down on this broken system mm-hmm. if I can get Trump supporters to admit hey we should do something about the policing why are they so adamant about just like saying things and not following through i mean the city council pushed uh doing anything about the police until next year right how many people have to be marginalized how many people have to die in their city further if the governor waltz wants to kettle 600 police off uh sorry protesters on the highway and show force you heard what i told them if your governor if your leadership wants to show force to these protesters welcome to the club if you're going to be here every time we're here protesting peacefully we're going to see you on thanksgiving we're going to see you on black friday we're going to see you on christmas you're going to see me on my birthday on your birthday your kid's birthday if that's what it's going to take if that's what your leadership wants to do about us instead of address these issues instead of the actual police force outing they're the the bad cops if everyone's a good cop then why aren't they all working to fix this solution just as hard as the people out there right or even if why aren't the good cops themselves standing up or banding together with other good cops why are you taking the the and and once again the answer is in history right the answer is in history um and and that's what i think my answer to that is is you know, I'm here to have conversations, but at this point, from what I've seen, uh, I'm done saying 
uh, hello to cops and being all buddy-buddy with them. Give a second chance, too. Even if that puts me in jeopardy while we're holding the front lines or doing stuff, it, it really has come down to that. Because it's been six months and we're still in the same place. Absolutely. Uh, maybe ties into it. What is your biggest fear in this social unrest and uprising? Like, what is the, what is the scariest possibility, scariest thought you've maybe felt throughout all this? Uh... I have two answers to that. And one's really like, let's put on our, our, our helmets and our bulletproof vests, and the other ones just kind of like, not that. Um, okay. Part of it's been diffused. Part of being a, a rap member tends to mean that you're willing to put yourself on the line mm -hmm. for this movement. I'm not saying that we're dodging bullets or doing anything crazy. We, we always like to de-escalate first and talk to people, even if they're spitting in our faces or just yelling at us. We're like, okay, just move on. Let's go. You know, um, that's 90% of it. Uh, but see, after seeing altercations from multiple rap members and people who just blatantly have a disregard for any human, um, Trump supporters who are so full of hate and seeing them act out that and being imposing their will with, with, uh, violence seeing that materialize when people speak of it and you see these videos on youtube of these you know supposedly antifa and the proud boys fighting you really do start to think like if this happens if trump doesn't concede if trump continues to say this and that and rile up his proud boys and all this stuff i really would hate the fact that uh, America would go into some sort of civil war or continue this hateful and unrest uh, that is compelled by hate through Trump and, um, and marginalizing black voices and, and people of color and all these things. Um, that's one thing that I, I'm really afraid of. So what I tend to do to proact is not anything physical. I just like to have conversations with people who disagree with me, um, no matter how hard, no matter who it is. Because the moment we stop having conversations with each other, whether we disagree or not, um, and just respecting each other as a human, there's been times where I can't even speak to some people at these Trump rallies or these pro-police rallies because they don't see me as a human being. Mm -hmm. So I have to walk away, and it's really hard. That's when we then I don't know if we can help those people. Um, and I think <clears throat> you might have a little bit of that mixed into a whole nother far leftist group. You, you, you've seen it before where people just go out and destroy things when the organizers have nothing to do it, right. do with it. And that's a whole nother problem in itself. But I feel like one group is definitely doing a lot more of the of the hate than the other. The media might have something different to say about that, but uh, um, in my opinion, that's not. So that's one scenario. And then I think the other one is having a friend come to a protest one time, understanding the issues, hearing the victims, the victims' families, and saying, putting up their picture on Facebook, and then going home and be like, well, that's it for me. 
Mm-hmm. That's done. I did my thing. I'm educated. I've done enough. I, I've done enough. Or I don't have time anymore. Or I support you 110%. You're doing great out there, bud. Thanks, but come on. Mm-hmm. And then when the racist uncle at Thanksgiving starts spouting shit, they don't do anything. Or when they have the opportunity to speak out for people of color, marginalized people of any sort, they don't do anything. When they have, I think that fear that people just settled out, especially now that Biden's won. Like what I saw on Saturday, it was like, I was like, everyone should be celebrating. Cool. What are you going to do next? Mm-hmm. How many that, people were at the march today, out of curiosity? Um, There was probably close to 50 maybe 60 with marshals um so significantly smaller than saturday granted i wasn't there saturday was like 600 people maybe uh closer to 800 right and granted you have to take into account like yes it's a monday yes it was raining but um, i think that's a pattern that a lot of us see with a lot of things like this i know i'd spoken on like the um, protect black women march um back last month and by the time that we started marching, I turned to Steve and I was like, this is depressing. Like, this is this is it. Like, you think of all the people who've shown out for um, all these victims or just for schools, for housing and all these things. And it, it just proves to show what the message of that protest was. And it was like, oh, well, these people are showing out every time. Why aren't you here? Type of thing. Which it was still a great march and it was, there's nothing wrong with that. But it's a lot of the time on people who, like you said go out once or twice and they're like that was cool learned a lot i feel sad yeah that's it because if you think about what both aspects that i just said both of them are essentially the same thing yeah one of them happens because if you're democratic or maybe if you're republican understands yeah we do need to change the police good goes home watches fucking tv all the time and watches the news and is like yeah they got changed and does nothing that's gonna let the other one happen and i sound crazy okay but i've seen what i've seen and i've seen people get hurt and i don't want that for america for even i don't want that for anybody even if it's a a hateful trump supporter or, or a racist person i just i wouldn't wish that on anybody Right. I don't think anybody, I don't think any victims or family would wish ill will on anyone. I mean, a couple of people might wish ill will on cops and things like that. Not, but I feel like a lot of the time it's just people want to feel whole again, which is never going to happen, especially if you've lost a, luck, a loved one. But they want the justice and to make sure that that person didn't die in vain or die like an animal, which unfortunately a lot of the time is the case. Um, but no, that's really important. Um, I know my fears with that thing are just so buried. I think I've gone through multiple times. And I think we've talked about this early on and like I had like a mental break and I was like, if I ever have kids one day and I had said this to you and I was like, I don't know if you realize, but like if we end up together for the rest of our lives, we're going to have black kids. And like, that's, that's just a fact. Like, and then it's like to think that you go out to do this and I, you do got to go for your own reasons and things. And I go, especially the first couple of months because you were out there or my brother was out there or friends that were out there. And just knowing that the longevity of this, if things aren't changed, 
now or within the near future, then people, the next generation is going to have to do the same thing. Yeah, it's, you know, when you brought that up, that like if we have kids, like that's, I talk about the privilege of riding around all day on my bicycle mm-hmm. and knowing that they might not, I had to tell them you can't do the same thing because of the color of your skin is uh something really real and uh it's it's tough to think about like you you said like i do all of this stuff because one it shouldn't have happened and it needs to stop and i'm there's times when i meet people who are in this organizations who are in their 50s or 60s and are fighting and i'm gonna think about i really hope it's not me in 30 years right but if it does have to be, we'll continue to do it. Like I told those cops on the bridge, we're not going to stop. Mm-hmm. No, that's good. Um, we're close to having to wrap up time-wise. So I'm going to reset again. I only have two questions left. The next one is the bigger one that you wanted to touch on. So. Oh, okay. But This is a lot. Yeah, sorry. There's, no, there's, okay. there's a lot that goes into this. It's fun. I enjoy doing it. I don't know if you enjoy doing it, but I. No, it's it's a it's good to think about in a in a sense where uh, this is you and me talking, and I don't have to worry about a car. You know, I usually have really good conversations right. at protests with other protesters before the the protests. And how many times can you say protest in a sentence? Um, I think I can go hit four, but, uh, even, yeah, you have conversations at a protest with other protesters <laughs> before the protests or after the protests about another protest. There you go. Right. Six. Wow. Um, so you can count. Yeah. Now. So this is really, <laughs> this is comfortable. You know, this is cool. Good. Okay. Well, I'm glad. All right. Well, we'll be back. Anything else you want to say before I answer? I answer. I ask these last couple questions, or any thoughts, concerns, feedback. You want to plug anything? You got an ad you want to share? Keeps. <laughs> wow, what does that mean? Keeps is just the first one that came to mind. Raycon earbuds. Um, anyone want to plug? Raycon earbuds. <laughs> I told Dan I recorded the ad today, and I was like, "I'll save you my first pair of Raycons I get when I get." I, wow. Um, Otherwise, I'll just jump back in. You don't have to. Um. No. Yeah. We we have a a fund for BRAP that oh, yeah. uh, helps out a l- once in a while. Impending impounds and there's a lot of organizations. Just message me on Facebook or like find email me or whatever. There's so many people who are. You should do a link tree or like a. Yeah, there's so a, a many organizations. Like your Instagram. Do you guys have a BRAP Instagram? No. Oh my gosh. We could do a calendar. Um, um, <laughs> I don't think many people would buy a BRAP calendar. Are you serious? Other than the people have in BRAP. Have you seen the people on our bikes? Wow. That's rude. I mean, you could try. It's a little late. It's November. You're going to do a motorcycle calendar in November. <laughs> it's going it to snow Minnesota. four inches tomorrow. <laughs> Um, it'd give us something to do with our bikes. <laughs> find a really big garage. We I know some photographers garage. and some people with yeah. some studios and things. But no, it all seriousness. Yeah, we have a brat fund. Um, 
that helps out with i mean these guys are putting the machines to work in the summer we've had overheat because the motorcycle yeah. a lot of the motorcycles you guys are riding are not motorcycles meant to be ridden for to sit almost in idle for two to three hours yeah, i feel like, bad all for day, every day the baggers and the heavy harleys and these guys are or just your motorcycle my yeah my motorcycle tends to get a little hot but not as bad they, they will straight up shut down in the summer that happened a couple of times yeah that fun helps out with like any costs and stuff with our motorcycles motorcycles uh as much as we love them are expensive uh to maintain um so yeah if anything there is helpful um but no i don't have anything more to plug in that sense okay well i'll just jump into the last couple questions uh how do you feel about the social divide um, within the latinx community um and specifically kind of like the cuban americans that are very heavily for trump and then i'll kind of tie back to a second part of that question that kind of involves the latinx community within minneapolis or how they feel towards other communities black community um, asian community things like that uh with the latinx community i can attest to how quickly you can kind of want to assimilate to the american way um when i was a kid i stopped wanting to speak spanish because i was bullied into feeling bad about being different and in elementary school i was maybe one or maybe three kids of latinx descent um so yeah so you can quickly forget about your heritage and the sacrifices uh your ancestors made and seeing how Latinos for Trump and stuff happened and went down it one I'm kind of glad people are starting to figure out that not all Latinos are like wanting to see a full democratic spectrum and stuff like that and that we're all just like the same mm -hmm. um but two it, it sucks <laughs> that it had to be Trump and Trump to supporters to be to be the the people that kind of like say like wow Cubans voted for Trump 65% in Florida. Um, that's a harsh reality. They um, definitely might have the reasons why. But I think once again, if you're a son or an ancestor of an immigrant, and have listened to the rhetoric that many of the Republican Party support or spout, you, in my opinion, are disgraced here to your people to the american way to um basically everything that's made america prosper which is immigrants right um so for to find latinos that think differently great let's have a conversation i don't think of that as a bad thing at all but i feel like i hope the Democratic or even Republican, whoever, even if it's like a city council down to that understands that the needs of not everyone's Mexican. You know how many I have right. cooks on our line that get super offended when uh, 
I you reference like Mexican heritage or like Mexican stuff or like like that's not me that's not me at all and they're like I'm from here I'm from Guatemala I'm like sorry bud I didn't mean that I like we're neighbors we're cool you know like just need to get you know I've been conditioned to that as well um and yeah I think uh unfortunately I haven't had the time to like sit down and talk or like understand it further about those the the cuban community because they they came from a socialist you know uh dictatorship Mm -hmm. so maybe there's something to learn from that but to understand also the propaganda that trump has thrown at them and made them believe that socialism is this and that and that biden wants to do healthcare for all and just give people basic livable things in america is very different from the what you know the socialist dictatorship was doing in the country but their fear might be might be placed somewhere in reality but uh their answer to me is definitely a Mm cop-out i know i think i talked about this i don't know if we ended on this conversation but i think a lot of the time immigrants um come to this country and they're like well it's not war-torn i don't have a dictator I can buy a house, my kids can roam the streets. Yeah, people might be racist, but at least like cops aren't banging on my door with a rifle at two in the morning anytime that they want, or I have to worry about where my next meal is coming from. I can make a life for myself here. And because of that, they'll just, like you said, kind of almost assimilate to be what is quote unquote American. But I always, and I do this within like the black community, especially I'm very quick to call people out who are quick to turn on their own people and say, does your mother know or does your grandmother know that you feel that way about her? And that is always... As soon as they get, like, their first paycheck above $3,000, and it's like, oh, I made it. Forget about you guys. And and it's like, start looking down on them and like, ooh, I don't eat there. I don't, you know... Too good for this, too good for that. Yeah, and that, to me, is disgusting. And then you have colorism into play with that, especially within the Latino community. That's huge. Um um per se like not that my sister my youngest sister in complexion is basically does not look like a what you would think of stereotypical mexican looks like especially from oaxaca not yeah um whereas me in the summer or like any time i definitely have a darker complexion um compared to her and we have conversations about and she in she's very aware of it and it makes her sick like it makes her feel like she's not mexican and she gets upset by it and that's something that um i'm proud of her addressing and being like trying to 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 think about because you can quickly forget about that even myself have found ways like i said i adamantly did not want to speak spanish in elementary school because i would get bullied for it and that led me to be, you know, not interested in my culture for so long, which was to me something that when I say it and think about how much time I wasted not appreciating who I am, makes me sick to my stomach. And now I'm so like interested in everything that my culture has brought me and everything that my ancestors did. And I have so many questions now and I want to explore it. Um, I think if people forget about that in any retrospect, like even like Polish Americans and all these other people forget their heritage, 
they're kind of forgetting about how those cultures where they came from brought them to that moment mm-hmm. to maybe it's not the best place maybe and how they contributed to America whether it be bad or good because some of the contributions weren't the greatest you know um, so forgetting that like so many people uh, who voted for Trump and were Latino is uh, forgetting like we're who your family was and the hard work that they did or the suffering that they had to endure to, for you to be there and turning your back on that is uh you know i really hope they don't sleep well at night <laughs> right uh how do you feel about the lennox community in reaction to kind of the outside i know historically um that latinx people the black community don't get old long well or even latinx community and asian community or the white community whatever the community may be i know um we've talked about on a personal level oh, <laughs> so there's a lot to say yeah here. i could get pretty uh i think the core of the issue i have to think about how i grew up in my perspective mm-hmm. and re adjust and think about other people's perspective like you and me grew up in decently quiet suburbs Mm -hmm. with a decent education and were at least allowed to prosper so when you compare um, us to our counterparts that probably don't have education didn't grow up with a strong family foundation grew up with drugs in their neighborhood grew up with all these things and say why aren't you as smart as me why aren't you uh as compelled to know the diff that um putting black communities and latin communities and asian communities against each other is part of the racist system why don't you know this you're you're being ignorant is in itself ignorant because not everyone can afford to be in the sense woke i guess you got to think about how where they came from and why they feel that way maybe they did grow up with gang you know gangs jumping them maybe they did grow up with parents building a tight-knit community and saying no you don't date outside your community because this and that um i think now with like it's gonna be a fight i don't know how many times i've had to have a conversation with my like, older Latinos, especially males, who are passively aggressive. Like, my daughter thinks the same thing about Morenitos or all them. And I was like, they think the police is the worst. And I'm like, so why don't you? And she's like, she's always talking about it. And I'm like, yeah, because you're not. <laughs> you're not addressing it. And we have this amazing thing called Google where it doesn't give us an excuse to be ignorant anymore. Google is free, yeah. in case you didn't know. Yeah, it's G-O-O-G-L-E. Okay, <laughs> yeah. just I really, I really thought you didn't know myself. <laughs> yeah, and it's like we have no excuse to perpetuate the cycle of hatred. Mm-hmm. We have no excuse. I still have to practice, like, unlearning what I was taught. What, and I'm calling out the restaurant industry 
Um, and everyone can do this. Next time you go to a restaurant with an open kitchen, count how many people of black heritage or, you know. Black, Asian a lot of the time too. Yeah. Uh, but specifically black. Yeah. I dare you to go to, to a place and see how many black folks are in those kitchens, especially in fine dining. Like that has to be unlearned. Why is that? I've been to kitchens where like, yeah, they don't hire black people here. Forget about black women. <laughs> That's even, oh my gosh. Um, so unlearning that is um, very difficult because we have decades and years of ignorance backing it up and indifference and saying that. So I think there's no excuse anymore. Mm-hmm. If you got to get your mom upset, your dad upset or whoever in your family is spouting that and you you owe it to your little brother, you owe it to your your niece or whoever is next to not grow with the hate and to not um, continue that cycle. And, and it's tough because like we speak about, uh, what's the word, generational... Generational growth, generational traumas. Traumas. And like, I think about that, like not only do I have to fight the whole Mexican machismo attitude that I loathe because it's so ingrained and i i feel like sometimes i don't have good role models like all the role models i look up to um are like good people and they do all these things and then like and they're chefs and then then oh wait aren't you married oh why are you doing this and that or like and i talk about the industry i work in because that's what i see the people some of the people i look up to and it's like Oh, but you're sleeping with the waitress or, oh, and this and that. And you had to break that. And now you have to fight the, the, you know, the cycle of racism and you had the toxic masculinity and like the lack of uh, mental health that Latinos practice and how it's stigmatized. Like, it's like, oh, you're, I have anxiety or you're depressed. No, get up and do your chores and eat, eat, eat a bowl of soup. And I feel like a lot of other cultures can reference that too. Mm-hmm. And um, so racism tends to fall a little behind that because you have so much stacked. It's a fight in the own community and within yourself. Yeah, because then not only are you going to ostracize yourself. From your community. Yeah, because that's sometimes all you you can do. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, ask me what I say to people when they, uh, Latinos who use the N-word. You know, that's another conversation. and I and think it's important that the same system that oppresses Black Americans, Asian Americans, also oppresses Latin, Latinx Americans as well. It's the same system. They've just learned to pit us against one another. And yeah. even just coming, coming up and rising above that is a feat within itself, I feel like, a lot of the time. Damn, we have more work to do. And uh, we're, I feel like the, the next generation is willing to do it, or at least mm-hmm. willing to say, ew, <laughs> right. to it, and then have to kind of endure it and be like, ew, and maybe because they say, ew, their kids will be like, then do something about it, mm-hmm. but I hope we start saying, ew, and we start saying, fuck you, stop, Yesterday. ew, <laughs> like, don't bring that racist shit near my fucking elote. You don't get an elote if you're going to be racist. Uh, wow, look out 2021. <laughs> if you're racist, you're not getting elotes at Elte Havon. Just know that. 
All right. Well, my last question, I'll let you kind of wrap up around this too, uh, just because I know that they have been such a core group and a core understanding for you these last few months and have been a very good support system as well. Um, and you've made some friends and obviously looks like lifelong relationships within that group as well. Um, do you want to expand a little bit on BRAP? I know that you guys are Bikers Red Against Police Brutality, but I know that you cover more than just police brutality. You guys cover a lot and you guys have um, expanded your perspectives and your scope on things happening in Minneapolis right now and what you guys are about. Yeah. Um, yeah, we do focus on a lot more. We've been to all sorts of rallies, um, Native Lives, um, you know, a lot of, like you said, like the mental health um, rallies, uh, just a bunch. I can't, I, I, I feel really bad. I don't know how many collectively. I joined the group a little later, so I'm not a founding. These guys were already up and running by the time I, I joined and they were already doing a great job. So I can't attest to what I missed. But uh, knowing that some of these folks, this core group of members have been going at it. I mean, some of them are older, so they've been fighting their whole lives um, with long stories. Of, are you on the younger spectrum of the people in BRAP? In BRAP, I think there might be like one or two younger people. Um, yeah, one or two. Yeah, There's not too sure. many. Um, but uh, I'll say this. All of the older gentlemen and women want the youth to have a voice first mm -hmm. and that's that right away was like a green light for me like oh you guys want like i'm just not gonna be bossed around all the time by these old white males or old men and stuff so that was really cool for to get the sense and not only have that privilege but the responsibility is is astounding um but we're really diverse i mean in our group any day of the week you'll find uh Native Americans, uh, Pacific Islanders, um, Southeast Asians, uh, females as well. Uh, women. women. Don't say female. Oh, really? That a... Female is like, I feel like female usually comes off as derogatory. It's like female is like a different species than just saying like women. Look at that. Always learning. Always learning. Always trying. It's that Mexican machismo. Got to break the chains. Um yeah we're really diverse which brings us to the fact that like people don't know this but motorcycles in a sense <laughs> are really the culture is somewhat what you think it is like the whole like sexist one percenter we're better than everybody and we're dangerous and everybody else is just boring and that's really alive still and country outlaw country <laughs> yeah um so to find a place where i'm like i before this i was like who do i ride with can i join a group and i'm like oh, am i really gonna join this group and find out that these guys are just a bunch of i've had people come up to me and be like nice bike and then i take off my helmet and then completely turn around and don't want anything to do with me because of the color of my skin so to know that this group is completely ingrained in diversity and inclusion and is trying to listen to the people we try to help uh, was really important. It's almost to the point where all supporting these families, these organizations is first and the, the motorcycles are second. 
Um, and uh, with that being said, uh, we we play to our advantage the the mobility that those motorcycles bring us. And like I said, uh, seeing all of our motorcycles next to each other, uh, if you know anything about motorcycles, like people who ride Harleys don't ride anything else and mm -hmm. uh people who ride crotch rockets usually don't ride anything else and and it takes one a lot of money to have two bikes like that and on different spectrums and two um a lot of you know skill but uh just as much as we are culturally diverse we're also diverse in our in our machines and i think that's pretty cool because that that's almost like creating a whole different culture of of motorcycles in Minnesota, specifically Minneapolis, if you will, because uh, riding clubs and other stuff like that, they usually stick to their own type of machines and sometimes even type of brands. Like they're pretty devoted. <laughs> um, so that that's BRAP as sense of the culture and the community. And these guys, I've met some of the nicest people in this group. Some of the, like these guys are willing to, put themselves in front of these trucks and these Trump supporters and, and say, you know, this is, I'm willing to do that. And there's times where complete chaos breaks out in this, these protests and we have to sit in discomfort knowing that if something happens, we're on vehicles that could hurt people and uh, we're not on foot. So any charges just escalate them if we get stopped by cops and we're breaking as soon as we, we don't, follow the laws of the road we're liable to get tickets we're liable to you know and all those risks are we're willing to take for the cause and for the people and the families and to see the people who continue to come out continue to risk it um take leadership roles like i said like we do have some leadership roles but at any one moment like one core member will just step up and do it because it's the right thing to do. And we want to provide safe places. Um, we've, uh, we've learned a lot. We're going to continue to learn. We're going to find ways. I know the snow is coming in, but we're going to find ways to support the community. And it's really important to us to, to listen to uh, the voices because we, we, as long as you guys keep coming out, we'll find ways to support you and keep, keep you safe no matter how hard it is. Um, hopefully the, the Trump supporters coming at us and trying to go through the protests will stop. Uh, I and, think it'll die down now that the, if he, if he steps down. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's just, uh, what else can I say about the club? Uh, these guys, at first I'll say this, this is kind of fun. At first I was like, man, these guys are just a bunch of adrenaline junkies who are just trying to like ride together and all this. And then we had a meeting and then I was like, the fact that we had to talk about uh, our first agenda, like our first point for two hours and how important it was to everybody to get this down and to understand what we're going to do and who we are. The fact that that first meeting didn't even make it to like the third part of the agenda goes to show how much these, guys and, and this, these folks these people are trying to take this really serious and to know that there's a lot of stakes so um we're, we're always re-looking at ourselves and understanding that breaking the chains and 
you know, addressing each other with respect is, is really tough. So um, as long as the community is willing to, you know, grow with us and allow us to maybe make an error or two, just like any organization, we'll continue to try to listen and be better. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, and with that, we, we I'd also like to thank all the other Marshall groups and, you know, people who are providing safety without them um we're almost symbiotic like we always work with them and have knowing that they have our back and we have theirs is always something good it definitely would be hard to do any of this without them so thank you to those guys too yeah i think you guys have a good camaraderie between all of this group um and have built it and maintained it throughout the last few months that you guys have been writing together and working with each other and just getting to know each other. And you got, you've said it as well. It's great being able to do what you're doing with, with who you're doing it with. But I think it's another really great thing on top of it that you guys get along so well or able to, at the end of the day, after a protest or a march, are able to just grab a beer with one another or to share and want to continue to build and know and hold true to what's important to the group and what the cause is. I think that's really tough and, to maintain that spirit and to maintain just that mindset day in, day out for as much as you guys are out there is really tough. Yeah. And we appreciate the patience and I can't say enough. Like we, as soon as we know of a March, reach out, we will try to be there as much as can until there's literally ice and snow and we can't feel our fingers, but um, have patience for us. If you see us on the road, like understand that we're, we have machines that could literally kill us and or, uh, you know, uh, that aren't, you know, there's my, I have the, like the lightest bike and my bike is 380 pounds. Some of these guys are on 600 pound bikes and operating at that high level and understanding what could happen to us and how we're perceived and all these things is juggling and juggling act. So um, it's really difficult. And I, I, as much as I, think all the martial groups and the protesters and all these things i really had to say thank you to all the every single person who's ridden with us even if it was just one time or you know some of the core members you guys know who you are um i mean there's times where we've done two protests in a day and then another one the next day and another one the next day and another one the next day and they're all in 85 degree weather and we had to wear protective gear and a helmet and all these things next to the hot engine so thank you guys. Um, we're all really excited once spring comes in because we'll continue to be out there. Well, thanks for being the first guest on the podcast. I know that you really called dibs to it. I probably didn't have any other choice but to have you on first. I would have been deeply offended. You'll still find a way to be offended somehow. It's okay. Um, but yeah, thanks for coming on. And I guess we'd love to have you back if you're ever willing to come back. I don't know. It's, it is what it is. But thanks for sharing your insight um, on what it is to be such a core member of and not that anyone is more important in all of this. I'm in the movement, but being someone who is truly boots on the ground and is willing to risk any and everything to make sure that we are seeing change in the, the future and making sure that it's done. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Yeah.